0: Hello all, welcome to 64th episode of Snippets. I'm Dr. Komal, your host for the episode on OSSN, also known as Ocular Surface Squamous Neoplasia. It encompasses a varied spectrum of disease involving the ocular surface. Today we have with us Dr. Rama Rajgopal Ma'am, who's head of the department Cornea and Refractive Surgeries in Shankar Netralaya, Chennai. She expertises in ocular surface tumours, surface reconstruction and refractive surgeries. She has many papers and publications to her name. So let's hear her experience with OSSN. Welcome ma'am. Can you tell us what actually is OSSN? So ocular surface squamous leoplasia is a very rare tumor but it's by far the most common tumor that we see in clinical practice. How do we classify OSSN? Surface neoplasias can be classified as benign and malignant based on the tissue of origin but we will focus only on the ocular surface squamous neoplasia now. There are a number of ways in which it can be classified. You can classify them morphologically into dysplasia, carcinoma in situ and invasive squamous cell carcinoma. So when you say dysplasia it's only the epithelium that is involved as mild, moderate and severe depending on the depth of involvement. When you say C-A-N, it is deeper than the epithelium but the base membrane is just about involved. But when the basement membrane is breached and the lesion invades the stroma, then it is called an invasive squamous cell carcinoma. So this is the histopathological classification. The other way of classifying is based on the morphology of the lesion. The most common morphology is usually the papillomatous lesion. This is followed by the gelatinous or leukoplakic kind of lesion. Sometimes you can have a nodular lesion as well. Can you tell us who are at risk of getting OSSN or what are the risk factors associated with OSSN? As far as the risk factors are concerned, you can classify them into either an ocular risk factor or a systemic risk factor. Among the systemic risk factors, the most important is the 0 derma pigmentosa. Besides this, you can have patients with immunosuppression like HIV or who are immunosuppressed following transplant or who are on steroids who can also present with ocular surface squamous neoplasia. Hence, it is very important if you see overseas in a young patient in the absence of zero derma, you may want to do a HIV screening to make sure that the patient is serologically negative or positive. As far as the ocular predisposing factors are concerned, most of the times, commonly what is seen is the use of topical steroids. Sometimes it may be patients who had prior surgical excision for a lesion which was not detected as OSSN, where the margins were not cleared. The surgery itself could have caused dissemination of the tumor cells and then you can have a involvement of the Uh, surface in a very rapid manner meaning the tumor becomes very aggressive because you have not handled it the way it should have been handled because the diagnosis was not made. So if we have a patient coming to us with a conjunctival mass how do we assess the patient clinically? So the most important uh, thing to understand about uh, OSSN is the uh, location um, because uh, these are supposed to happen because of alteration in the limbal stem cell following UV exposure most of the lesions are located at the limbus. As far as the symptoms are concerned, many a times patients may come to you uh, with no symptoms. It will be noted on a routine examination. Sometimes patients can present with growth or they can present with watering, irritation or redness. The most important thing as far as the clinical evaluation is concerned is look at the dimensions of the lesion, the vertical and the horizontal. You can also understand the height by using investigations like ASOCT. Look for the presence of feeder vessels. Look at the intrinsic vascularization of the lesion. Also look for presence of surface vascularization. There is an entity called pigmented oocybin which uh, can also be confused with a melanoma sometimes. The most important finding is to look for the fixity of the lesion because that does tell you the depth of invasion to some extent. Rose Bengal staining is a very important tool because it tells you the extent of the lesion. Pre-auricular and submandibular lymph node evaluation is also to be considered especially in infiltrative lesions beyond sclera or the orbit. Another important point will be to examine the entire eye in detail because 5% of lesions can be multifocal. So you have to look at the phonics, caruncle and about the lids. Similarly, 5% of lesions can be bilateral. So always examine the other eye in great detail. A dilated examination is important because sometimes you can have patients like with HIV having both anterior and posterior segment manifestations and young patients in the absence of zero derma very rarely have also been reported to have OSSN. What is the role of investigations and imaging in a patient who's having OSSN? The most important part after clinical evaluation is doing the right investigation. For lesions that are involving the limbus, gonioscopy is very important to understand angle invasion. Impression cytology is is an important tool. Essentially, it gives you information about the involvement of the epithelium, especially the superficial layers of the epithelium. It may not always be able to tell you the distinction between dysplasia and carcinoma. So, there are some limitations to impression cytology in cases of mild dysplasia or when you have keratinization, sometimes you can have false positive and false negative results as well. So, the most important indication would be when you are treating a patient with chemotherapy, And you have a doubt about the residual tumor or you have a doubt about a recurrence, then definitely impression cytology has an important role to play. The next important investigation which has really changed our approach to OSSN is ASOCT. ASOCT essentially can be used for conjunctival and corneal lesions. The three important findings of an OSSN in conjunctival or corneal lesion will be the hyperreflective epithelium and the abrupt transition from normal to abnormal epithelium. And the thickening of the epithelium in the area of the tumor. ASOCT has an index for treatment response because sometimes when you're treating a patient with chemotherapy you may want to understand the how the size of the lesion has regressed with your treatment. So with ASOCT you will certainly be able to understand finer details. Ultra high resolution ASOCT can give you even more finer details but in general Any device with a resolution of about 5 to or more microns will be able to tell you about the morphology of the lesion. Important uh, investigation would be uh, UBM. You may want to consider ASOCT or UBM depending on the case. For lesions that involve the cornea, UBM will be able to tell you the thickness of the lesion. For lesions that involve the conjunctiva, basically the sclera or beyond, UBM has a very important role to play. It will tell you about the scleral invasion angle invasion, iris and ciliary body invasion. For intraocular invasion you may want to consider radio imaging to understand the extent of the lesion. When a patient has a very extensive lesion invading the sclera or beyond intraocularly or intraorbitally, you may want to consult an oncologist refer the patient to an oncologist to understand the systemic extent of the disease wherein a PET CT may also be of some value. So once we have diagnosed a patient with OSSN, what are the management options available for the patient? Moving on to the treatment options. So when we talk of management of OSSN, the most common and definitive approach is surgery. Chemotherapy has a very important role to play in today's practice. As far as surgery is concerned, the primary indication of surgery will be in patients who have smaller lesions in less than 4 clock hours. Of course, when you have a very unusual presentation or a scleral invasion or a nodular invasion, chemotherapy does not have much of a role to play. In these eyes, surgery will be the definitive option. As part of preoperative clinical evaluation, it's important to do a photo documentation of the lesion. Can you tell us about the basic principle which should be followed while one is operating a case of OSSN? So, the most important advantage of surgery is that uh, you get a histopathological diagnosis so you know exactly what you're dealing with and you can also get a margin and base clearance so you're almost sure that you're free of the tumour. So, as far as the surgical uh, excision itself goes, I prefer a dry field because uh, it minimizes the dissemination of the tumour cells during the surgery. Excision should be considered with a wide margin of at least three millimeters beyond the clinical evidence of tumour. You can assess the clinical evidence of tumour by doing a rose bengal staining Most important would be to do a no touch technique Do not touch the tumour and the normal tissue And after the excision You may want to consider changing the instrument so that you don't disseminate the tumour cells again Cryotherapy should be considered to the edges of the tumour and the limbus very carefully Frozen section has an important role to play in certain conditions Uh, One of the important conditions would be when you have a recurrence or you have a very aggressive tumour or a tumour involving say superficial sclera, you certainly want to be sure that you have cleared the margin and the base. If for some reason the base is positive, you can go back or the margin is positive, you can go back and do further excision to whatever extent is possible so that you almost get rid of all the tumour cells at the time of surgery itself. So, the residual defect can be closed with amniotic membrane depending on the size of the defect. What are our concerns with surgery? The important concern in a large tumor, say more than 4 to 6 clock hours, is a limbal stem cell deficiency. That is why in some of these eyes, we primarily prefer to do a chemo reduction and then consider surgical excision to minimize the limbal stem cell deficiency. For tumors that involve beyond the sclera, or deeper portions of the sclera or beyond the sclera including intraorbital or ocular invasion. You may have to consider enucleation or excenteration. Before doing this procedure, it is important to establish your diagnosis for at least considering an institutional biopsy to know what is the kind of tumor that you are dealing with. Like I said, PET CT has a role to play in invasive tumors and oncologist referrals will need to be considered in these patients. Ma'am, you were talking about chemotherapy. Can you tell us more about the role of chemotherapy in OSSN? So, topical chemotherapy has a very important role to play in the treatment of OSSN. The biggest advantage of topical chemotherapy is that it treats the entire surface, it takes care of the micro seedings, which is not visible on clinical examination sometimes. In large tumors, if you consider surgery, you may end up with limbal stem cell deficiency. Whereas in topical chemotherapy, you can reduce the size of the lesion and then consider surgery, which means we can avoid stem cell deficiency. One important question before topical chemotherapy is, do we need a biopsy? We don't really need a biopsy, but you must know which are the patients who will do well with topical chemotherapy. There are three broad categories under which topical chemotherapy can be considered. One. Chemotherapy itself means when you ha- as a treatment itself when you have a small lesion or primary lesion which is small less than 4 clock hours or you can use it for reduction when you have a large lesion where you have to counsel the patient and tell them that the lesion may regress in size subsequent to which surgery may be necessary and there are conditions where you may want to use it as a profile access. When you see margin is involved in certain patients despite your maximum resection then you may want to consider as a prophylaxis measure topical chemotherapy. If you encounter base positivity in scleral invasion then you certainly want to consider plaque therapy after the surface stabilizes. Now, before starting chemotherapy, the most important thing is to ensure patient's compliance. Educate the patient that there may be a need for future change of either a medical management or change of strategy you may want to consider surgery. We have a fair amount of experience with both topical mitomycin C and interferon. The biggest advantage of topical mitomycin is that it works very well in uh, papillomatous lesions and in corneal lesions. The only important limitation of mitomycin is that can cause surface toxicity. So you may have to consider punctal occlusion after doing a syringing and ensuring the patency to minimize the risk of systemic absorption. Mitomycin is far less costly as compared to interferon. The advantage of interferon is that it is less epithelotoxic and it is much more softer on the surface but definitely takes a much longer time for resolution. As far as the dosage goes, it depends on a case to case basis but by and large what is preferred is anywhere between 0.02 to 0.04% of mitomycin three to four times a day. Basically you do it one week on or one week off so that you give the time for surface to recover. Sometimes you can do four days on and three days off. As far as interferon goes, you give one or three million international units every day continuously. After you see clinical resolution you may want to consider two or three more cycles of mitomycin whereas in interferon you have to continue the medication for so at least two months following clinical response. Sometimes when you have partial response you may want to switch to surgery as the next modality. Once diagnosed and treated, how frequently should we follow up the patient? The most important part of overseas and management is the follow-up. These patients will have to be followed up periodically at one month, three months, six months, and thereafter yearly, they should be counseled to come back to you at the earliest if they see any signs of recurrences. In. Careful clinical evaluation, appropriate investigations, and right choice of management can optimize the outcomes. Thank you for the talk, ma'am. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Stay tuned, we'll be back with more episodes next week. Bye bye.